Welcome to Round Hill Radio, the podcast from Round Hill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Welcome to Round Hill Radio. I'm Leslie. And I'm Ed. And we have a special guest today. We are thrilled to have Skylar Badnock uh, as our, our guest for our podcast today. And Skylar is the Chief Executive Officer of Hope for Haiti. Its website is hopeforhaiti.com. And I had the privilege of being introduced to Skylar uh, through a book group that uh, that I've been part of for a while. And we were looking at a book on, on Haiti and reading that. And fortunately, Skylar was able to be part of that conversation. So it was, it was such a joy to have your insights. And I was in the middle of that conversation, I'm thinking, Wait a second. This this needs to be continued on Round Hill Radio. So so here we are. And Skylar, welcome to uh, Round Hill Radio. Thank you so much, Leslie and Ed, for having me on today. Great stuff. So, you know, uh, Round Hill Radio has been uh, underway for a while, and we love to explore questions of faith and hope and love, and we like to bring onto our into this conversational setting people who are trying to bring more of those things into the world, and you certainly qualify. Um, I want to ask you to describe Hope for Haiti and the work that you do, but before you do that, I have a question for you. Okay. Skylar, if you could go back in time and you could meet your 21-year-old self, and you could inform your 21-year-old self about the work that you are doing now, would that person be shocked? exhilarated, dismayed, in awe? What do you think your reaction would have been back then? Yeah, I think that person would be exhilarated because even at 21, I think I was on this path. Yeah, I just, I just, um, just I was about to go into the Peace Corps mm -hmm. uh, at 21. And and so um, I, with with everything that the Peace Corps uh, brings, I didn't, I didn't exactly know what my service was going to be like, but um, you know, it was my, my hope was that it was going to lead to something transformational in my life. And it did. And so mm -hmm. I think if, if I went back and told my 21 year old self that it would going into the Peace Corps would lead to a career in international development, I would be exhilarated. Oh, that's good to know. It's, it's lovely. Sometimes I think when life has that directional flow, mm -hmm. uh, many people, yeah. you know, are kind of constantly searching and, and recalibrating, but occasionally it seems to work over a long period of time. So we're, we're excited to hear that. And so Skylar, tell us about the work that you're doing and tell us about Hope for Haiti. Yeah, thanks. And, and so Hope for Haiti for the last 32 years has been working to improve the quality of life of Haitian people, particularly children. And for us, we think about it not so much as what we do, but but as the problems that we help solve. You know, right now, mm. uh, we know that illiteracy is really keeping people in uh, abject or extreme poverty. We know that uh, families lack access to health care in Haiti. Uh, specifically women and children. We know that access to water and access to clean drinking water uh, is a huge problem, is one of the reasons, one of the main causes of, of death for children under the age of five. And we know that entrepreneurs um, lack the access to opportunity and economic opportunity to grow and sustain their businesses. And so these are some of the problems that our organization over the years has been helping solve. And, and, and so we do that by working in partnership with communities and leaders to lift up systems of education and healthcare and, and access to infrastructure, access to clean water and access to economic opportunity. And we do that with the funds that are generously donated to us. Mm -hmm. uh, we support a network of 24 
partner schools, mostly in rural communities in Haiti. Uh, it's about 424 teachers, 7,000 students. Mm. Uh, we run a we run a bricks and mortar infirmary that treats. Uh, this year, we'll treat about 20,000 patients uh, through general consultations and referrals. Um, we bring in about $21 million worth of medication, medical supplies, and medical equipment, not only for our own use, but to help distribute to other partners, government hospitals, nonprofit clinics, to really lift up the system, uh, the healthcare system in, in Southern Haiti. Um, we uh, work in the water space, so we help families uh, access a very simple filtration system that mm-hmm. will help them filter millions of gallons of water uh, every single year. And uh, what that does is really prevents uh, waterborne illness. It prevents uh, intestinal worms. It prevents the types of things that, that you know, cholera, things that will kill people. And, um, and then the lastly, we have an econo- economic development program, an economy program that provides loans and grants to social business and entrepreneurs. And so what this really is at Hope for Haiti, it's a, it's a holistic approach that we take to development. Um, we stay in the same region. Uh, we don't venture around. We don't chase funds that are outside of our mission or, or our strategic plan. We're very mm-hmm. disciplined in that way. And uh, and then lastly, you know, one of the things that's really important for our organization because we work in Haiti is just financial transparency, fiscal accountability, and good governance. And that's something that we've been committed to for the last 32 years. Um, really proud that Charity Navigator gives us their four star rating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the last almost for the last 13 years, they tell us one percent of all nonprofits got that. And have received that, and um, and really, I think that's a testament to our board, to our our uh, you know commitment to best in class financial systems, and and uh, that's just a really important part of doing the work. Yeah, yeah. On your website, it's clear that you are proud of your team, and that you have worked very hard to build a magnificent team. How do you do it? Um, yeah, that. How does that happen? I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's the first thing I really think about is um, a strategic plan. We have a great strategic plan and we have a good track. We have a, I, I fully believe in our programmatic model, but it's only as good as the people who are implementing it. Sure. It's only as good as the people who are driving that drive, you know, they're, they're who are driving the bus. And so I think there are a few things that we've done to, to, to build a great team. The first is this idea of collaborative leadership, that every single person on our team is a leader and has a tremendous amount to offer and can transform the organization. And we believe in that. We don't just believe in it, we practice it. And so mm-hmm. we have, I, I think, um, you know, some people call it micromanaging. We don't do that. Um, you know, we, we make sure that people have um, the, the room to ex- excel and succeed in their own jobs and be their own leaders within the work that they're doing. I think that's just, to me, that's such an important part of an organization that people mm-hmm. feel valued, that people have the autonomy to use their skills and intelligence to do good work. Um, I think second, and, and this this really speaks to something that that I've learned along the way, is you, you gotta make sure that you compensate people in the right way, you know? And, mm-hmm. and um, somebody who we, we, um, we read a lot of, of Ray Dalio's work and his book principles is something that's really important for our organization. He's got a principle. I think it's something like pay north of fair. And uh, mm. it's not that we're, we're, it's not that we're, we're paying extraordinary amounts to all of our team members, but it's really important that people are compensated for their work. 
And, and, and so I think that keeps people around that, that they feel like not only do they have the ability and the autonomy to do the work, but they're compensated fairly. And then I think professional development is the third thing is mm-hmm. that we have to continuously be, we have to continuously invest in our, in our, in ourselves and our colleagues and our team members. And, and I think when people feel like they're growing, when people feel like they're being invested in, um, that, that, that also creates a, a wonderful team dynamic. Um, and so professional development is a very important part of our culture at Hope for Haiti. Um, and, and people not are, are just encouraged to do it, but, but we're required to, um, you know, think about what professional development looks like every single year for every single employee. And I think that's a, that's a, that's an important part of, of building a team. Yeah. Uh, you and your team clearly also face huge obstacles. I mean, you're, you're working at so many different yeah. fronts at the same time, but you're using this wonderfully integrated approach. Um, but I couldn't help think, you know, as I was watching some of the videos that are available on YouTube and listening to the stories that you shared when I first met you, you bring hope. And I say you collectively. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What gives you hope um, as you've been engaged in this work? Um, what is it that that makes you feel hopeful about the future, even in light of some of those most significant challenges that you face? Yeah, for me, it always goes back to to people. To to uh, sometimes it's my colleagues. By the way, I will, I will say that mm-hmm. um, you know when I when I um, get to see one of my colleagues um, maybe just start out of the organization and then and then just do incredibly well and succeed, that gives me tremendous hope. That's probably one of the most fulfilling things, feelings I've had during my time at Hope for Haiti when I see my colleagues succeed. The other thing that gives me, gives me hope is when I get to meet people who are impacted by our work. And, um, you know, because of the nature of our work, you know, Hope for Haiti, we got to be in Haiti. We have to go down to Haiti. We have to meet people and we have to be, uh, you know, in the field and going to rural communities and talking to moms and, and dads and kids and, and, uh, teachers and school directors, those are the types of people who also uh, give me hope personally. And, um, you know, the stories when you, when, you know, because I've been able to, I've been fortunate to travel down to Haiti many times, the stories of, of the school director who, you know, used to just have a three classroom school, who's helped build that school all the way up into now, that's offering now high school. Um, you know, the mom who's has five kids, who's, um, you know, sending her kids to school because she knows it's the only way to break out of that cycle of absolute poverty. You know, those stories or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, the family that didn't have access to clean water and was getting their water from, you know, a stream or a lake or a, you know, a catchment system. And they were just always sick. And then when they get a filtration system and, and, and they tell me personally, this um, you know, this filtration system made our family healthy. Those are inspiring moments that remind all of us that this work is important and it's worthwhile and it's meaningful. It's a beautiful thing when your own work inspires you to continue your own work. Mm -hmm. Uh, That sort of cyclical thing is that I think a lot of people sort of dream of that kind of uh, life experience. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I can, I, I am trying to think of one really good example, but um, I, I have a colleague, she's a doctor in, 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 in our healthcare program and, Three years ago, she decided that diabetes is just a really big problem in Haiti, and, and it, they need to raise that our team should be raising awareness and helping the community. And so she organized a diabetes march. She put it all down on paper. She said, "This is what what we have to do." And we took a look at it. We're like, "Okay, 
we're going to, this is what we're going to do. And, uh, three years later, uh, last November, I got to go to Haiti, um, and walk in the city of Lekais where our office is with our team. And they were like hundreds of people masked up marching in solidarity to raise awareness for diabetes. And, and those are moments of inspiration because it's, it, you know what, it's, it's when you, when you recognize you're part of something that's bigger, way bigger than yourself and mm. you get to play a small role. That's, that's also a moment of inspiration. And then Dr. Denny, Dr. Denny, who's the uh, doctor I'm thinking of, you know, I, she obviously, she didn't get to do it alone. All of her colleagues helped her out and, and it's a collaborative effort, but it was her idea. It was, it was the autonomy that she had to make that, make the diabetes walk happen. And, um, it was personally inspiring to me just to see, um, to see what kind of impact that has on the community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, clearly you're, you're creating, you know, what is sometimes called a permission giving culture. And so mm. you're, you're giving permission for people to thrive and act on their ideas. Oh yeah. I did. You know, I've never really heard that, but I like it. And, uh, definitely that's, that's something that we have going on in our culture at Hope for Haiti. Skyler, one question I have is I, particularly as I was looking at some other of the YouTube videos and hearing some, some of the inspiring stories, you know, that you're already referencing, but it seems that all across the world, the key is to develop this entrepreneurial mentality and mindset to give people both the permission and the skills and the means to be able to you know, in a sense, act on their dreams, or at least to act on something that will bring greater benefit uh, in terms of health and well-being to themselves and their loved ones and the wider community. Uh, how do you see that unfolding specifically, that notion of, uh, you, you referenced it a little bit earlier, but this notion of this entrepreneurial, um, you know, culture that, we're, that, that uh, people are trying to create in many places across the world so that people become the in a sense, the leaders, the makers of their own destiny. Yeah, there's this, there's this, it always, it always brings me back to this quote. I've said it a hundred times. It's not mine, uh, but it's that intelligence and ability are equally distributed throughout the world, but opportunity is not. Mm. And, and in many ways, what we do at Hope for Haiti is we try to bridge the opportunity gap, especially for entrepreneurs in Haiti mm. and the entrepreneurial ecosystem. And what we found is that there are these incredibly talented, driven, hardworking, creative people who have ideas and they have businesses, but, but the lack of financing or the lack of technical training just isn't there. And so yep. uh, we have been able to, through the support of, of many of our donors, we've been able to provide loans and grants and also training to entrepreneurs because we know that that's, I mean, just, just like here in the United States, we know that that can be a game changer when mm -hmm. people just unlock that, that access to financing. Uh, you know, the seed funding, they're venture capitalists uh, thinking about what's the next big thing in, in Silicon Valley. Our team <laughs> sits around and we think about what could be the next big thing in the southern part of Haiti. And who is the who are the who are the the, the drivers of, of economic and social change in the country that we can invest in? Um, and, and, and then we seek those people out and we, we help we try to partner with them and we, we finance them and, and um, to some success, you know, and, and not every not every. Uh, business that we've financed is is a glowing success that that just can't be but but there are so many examples of entrepreneurs who've who've made it who've uh you know who are growing or paying back repaying their loans and um for us as an organization that's just really important to be the bridge to the opportunity gap that exists um and and you know i think when you think about development 
it's in, in many ways, there's short-term development, there's long-term development. Long-term development is about generational change. Um, in, in some ways you can affect long-term development or investing in education, investing in literacy, because those, those types of things pay huge dividends. And so um, we also like to think of, of things in the long-term and, and staying in one region for you know many years, partnering with the same organizations over many years so that we could all grow and, and um, make a collective impact together over a longer period of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, Scott, just moving into the present day and its, and its yeah. own particular challenges as we navigate life in a global pandemic, what's that meant for Haiti and for Haitians? Uh, can you share your perspective on that? Yeah, would, would I actually, I think back to last, last March, almost a year ago <laughs> um, today, we're almost hitting the year mark and our entire uh, leadership team was in Haiti in the beginning of March when word came that we had to go back to the United States and start quarantine. So we were in Haiti, we were doing it, we were doing some leadership exercises, working on professional uh, development, uh, strategic planning, we had to go back home and, and um, it really upended our organization for just a, just a brief moment. And um, I think there were a few things that, that helped us, by the way, one was that we'd been through Hurricane Matthew in 2016, pretty big disaster, we'd been through uh, cholera. We'd just been through a countrywide lockdown and protests that had extended past a year. We were, our organization was uh, on the ground when the earthquake happened. So we were able to sort of look at, draw off our experiences in working together as a team and, and during times of crisis. And just, we took a pause. We, we didn't, you know, we didn't panic, but we took a pause and we really assessed what we thought the impacts of the pandemic were going to be and how our organization was going to have to navigate them. So our team, actually, we did a SWOT analysis and very mm -hmm. quick SWOT analysis within about a week. And that gave us a very good roadmap of, on the, uh, for the things that we wanted to focus on. And even when I go back, we go back about you know, periodically to look at that SWOT analysis and look at what activities we said we wanted to focus on. Some of them were right on. And, and mm. I think that's that. And they came from our team. They came from all members of our team who contributed to this this um, ideation of like, here we are in a pandemic. What are the things that we have to do and what can, what ways can our organization make an impact and how are we uniquely qualified to make an impact? Um, now, Haiti as a country, luckily, has not been uh, as hard hit by covid as uh, as other countries, um, you know, even here in the United States. And we're not 100% sure why that is. Um, mm -hmm. you, you would think that all of, the, all of the conditions in Haiti, the population density, the way that people move about, um, even some of the sanitation conditions would just be a powder keg for, for something like COVID-19. And it hasn't been yet. And we know that because we run an infirmary. So we, we, would, we would be able to tell you we're seeing sure. an uptick in a lot of patients or, you know, I was when I was in Haiti in November, I was talking to the guy, the, the guy, the family that owns the largest mortuary in Haiti. And he said, I would know, too. You know, I would yeah. I would I would know if I had an uptick in business and I haven't. And so um, luckily, the country hasn't been impacted by the the health, imp the implications of covid. But um, just like many things, it, covid isn't just about the health implications. There are also social and economic impacts. Um, and I think for the for those impacts, Haiti's been hit you know, pretty hard. Um, I think the number of written remittances, that's money sent back from uh, Haitian Americans uh, living in the United, Haitians living in the United States back to Haiti. Yep. I think that number is, has gone down. A lot of those, a lot of that funding tends to go to support education and healthcare, 
um, mm-hmm. basic human needs, food, sometimes even food. And when that decreases, that causes that that has the um, you know ability to create a humanitarian disaster um, where you know people are hungry or they can't access basic things, uh, you know, basic human rights. And so we're really worried about that. We have seen that there's been some, you know, we there 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 has been some uh, cause for alarm in those areas. And so we're trying to monitor that. We're also trying to do our best to do our, to, to play a role in mitigating this, the um, social, economic and health impacts of COVID. And so, um, you know, we, we were on the ground, we had PPE on hand that we were able to use and distribute to our partners, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of masks uh, right oh, there in right. Haiti that we already had because yeah. of the work that we're doing. And so it, it felt good to be able to just hand those off to healthcare partners and and not just hold them for our own use. Sure. Um, you know, we've just, we've opened up some financing called them recovery grants to small entrepreneurs. Uh, one of the, one of the things I'm most proud of, uh, and, and this was a big time team effort is that we asked ourselves during COVID, we said, well, who are the equivalent of like the grocery store clerk clerks in Haiti? Mm. Um, you know, and, and, and those are the street vendors, people who are out really on the front line selling, you know, food and and uh, goods that people buy on a day to day basis. We we thought you know they're they're high at risk. They're going to be impacted by shutdowns. And so in our community, we did a, a cash transfer to um, about 150 vendors, street vendors in the city that huh. we were working. And huh. then we we uh, attached that cash transfer with a training uh, on the prevention of the spread of COVID 19 and distribution of a water filtration system and masks and uh, hand sanitizer. And it was, that was something that, that we felt really proud of that we were able to contribute to this community that we're, you know, so much of a part of. Yeah. Well, you're really then activate, you know, activating people who are close to people as some of your, in, in effect, they become agents of, of good, right? Yeah, that's right. And even with our teacher network. So, you know, again, it's it, the, the network, when you have a network of people you're communicating with on a constant basis, that helped us also spread the word. So we had 424 teachers that we were able to help mobilize, provide the right information in Creole uh, so that they can share out with their communities, with the students that they teach, with the families that they, um, you know, they work closely with. And so um, again, that, that just having a, a more collaborative um, culture within the organization and a network, uh, I think helped us make a greater impact uh, mm-hmm. during this time. What, uh, what, um, in what ways are organizations here in the United States partnering with you? I mean, maybe, maybe even on just on a one-time basis or maybe on a more recurrent basis. What, what have been some examples if people say, how do, how can I get involved? How can I support this amazing work that's undergoing, you know, that, that you're doing, what, what can they do? Yeah, well, I, I'll talk. There's some. There are some incredible partners that we've been able to establish and and um, you know maintain a, a strong relationship with over the years. And I'll just I'll highlight a few because they're in. They're actually in your neck of the woods. Uh, so Americares uh, has been a tremendous partner of Hope for Haiti over the years. In fact, Americares was, was was helpful in the founding of our organization more than 32 years ago. Our founder Joanne Keener went to Haiti for the first time on an Americares airlift. And uh, that was that was the inspiration for her to start Hope for Haiti. And okay. uh, through the years, they've provided our organization with more than a hundred. Think about this: more than a hundred million dollars worth of medication, medical supplies, wow. medical equipment that we've been able to take uh, transport to Haiti, navigate the customs, 
drive mm-hmm. to three and a half hours to our, our infirmary in, in, in the South, and then use that as a distribution center for um, more than now 30 different healthcare providers. So mm-hmm. Americares has been a, 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 a really important, um, has been a really important partner for our organization over the years, and they still are to this day. Uh, and, and we're, we're going to be talking to them on Friday, actually, to, just to thank them for their partnership. Uh, Stanford Health um, is another organization that's been really helpful. Uh, their chief operating officer, Liz, Liz Longmore, sits on our board, um, and she's been tremendous in helping us navigate what we're doing uh, to, as an organization to think through the right protocols. Uh, but Stanford Health has gone even further. They've, they've provided Hope for Haiti with, with uh grant funding so that we can improve our healthcare programs. And when they did that, when Stanford Health did the remodel of, of one of their uh, healthcare wings, they donated all of the medical supplies and medical equipment to Hope for Haiti. And mm-hmm. through the support of one of our generous board members, uh, we were able to ship that down to Haiti and, and get that into the hands of healthcare facilities. It was things like like bedside tables and, and respirators and you know things that you, you would imagine uh, therapy tables that I've, you know, I've seen kids, kids and their moms use in one of our rehabilitation uh, uh, center, the centers that we support. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, Stanford Health has been a great partner. And so I think that's one way, you know, we've, we've created community in the United States is through partnership. Um, mm-hmm. On an individual level, there are a few main ways that people can get involved in our work. Um, you know, during normal times, we encourage people to, to come down and visit our work and see it. And that's been tremendously impactful. I was actually just talking to one of our donors who I brought down to Haiti. Uh, it was probably three years ago today. And we're still very, we're close. We talk on the phone, we text. Uh, he's he's still a major donor. He's connected authentically to Haiti, but he went down. He said, that's one of the best things that I've ever done is uh-huh. to go down and, and meet your team and, and uh, talk to the education program manager, to talk to the students to learn about the the challenges firsthand and then also see the beauty of the country. And so that's one way people can get involved when, when, when things are, are, you know, in are, are safe and mm-hmm. uh, we've been able to defeat the pandemic. Um, another way to get involved is just through advocacy, you know, spread the word about this, the organization and, and the work of hope for Haiti. Um, we've been really blessed to have people who've um, who are essentially brand ambassadors who are out there, telling people about um, not just the impact that we're making as an organization, but I, I think the other side of it is the way that we run our organization through mm-hmm. the commitment of governance, transparency, and accountability. We like to share that with anybody. If mm-hmm. there's any nonprofit out there that's interested in learning about, you know, best practices for um, nonprofit management, we'll share, our, we'll share our documents. That's, that's not something that we want to, we want to hold just to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We want to share it so that others can benefit from what we've learned over the last 32 years. And then the last thing, I'll give a plug for my my two colleagues who are just unbelievably inspiring, uh, Taylor Hebel and Sarah Porter, my two colleagues who are running Hope for Haiti's third annual Hike for Haiti Challenge. This is something that was um, that we came up with about three years ago. And uh, it's because we have a community up in, in, uh, in, in the mountains. I mean, it is a tough community to get to. It's like a three hour walk up a footpath to get to. And we support them through education, healthcare, and access to infrastructure. We actually just built a computer lab up there where the families brought like solar panels on their backs for three hours, just so that they can have access to computer technology. Well, we were inspired by that. And so we recreated something called the hike for Haiti challenge. 
that ask people to walk in solidarity with school children who walk unreasonable distances to access education. And it's happening from April to um, April to May this year. And we're engaging our entire community. We have some incredible ambassadors uh, from all walks of life who are authentically connected to Haiti, who are helping us spread the word. But we're asking groups and individuals and families and 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 church groups and corporations and anybody and everybody who's, who's inspired by this idea that kids should not walk unreasonable distances just to access education. We do that in solidarity uh, mm. with those kids. And then we, we, we ask people to raise just a little bit of funds. I think the registration fee is like $30. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and last year we raised a hundred thousand dollars. And this year I've challenged the team to, uh, to double that or triple that. <laughs> Sometimes I, I waver back and forth between doubling and tripling, but, but, uh, but that's another, yeah, right. Exactly. But that's <laughs> another way for people to get involved. And then, you know, it also, uh, in, in the Greenwich, uh, you know, in the North in Greenwich community in Northeast, we, um, we also run an event every year. And so come to our event, hear about the stories of, of the inspiring leaders in Haiti and, uh, the people who've been impacted by our work. Uh, we would love to have people join in on that, on those events and, and, Great. uh, they're really, you know, um, they're really just for people to understand the work that we're doing, why we're doing it, and, and how we go about our work. Is the information about Hike for Haiti and the event and all that, can that be found on your website, hopeforhaiti.com? It's found right on our website at hopeforhaiti.com. And uh, you can register through our website. Um, you can create a team and people can hike with as, you know, as team members, as family members. Uh, last year, it was supposed to just be, you know, for, for three days over a weekend. But because of the pandemic, we extended it for a month and we found that it was really something that galvanized our community It energized a lot of our long term supporters. We got we, we found um, new supporters in our work. Um, and, and so we decided that it's just going to be a month long thing from now on and we're going to keep doing it. The fun part is when, when things open up, we actually are going to hike. We're going to hike that mountain as as part of the hike for Haiti challenge. And so wow. it's going to be there's going to be some opportunity for people to go and actually do the exact hike that we did that inspired the hike for 80 challenge. And that's, that to me is when, when we get, when we get back to doing those types of things, um, I'm really looking forward to it because it, it's what inspires us and it keeps us going and, um, you know, it drives us to, to continue the work that we're doing. Wow. That, that vision of inspiration is probably a good mm-hmm. way to bring our conversation to a conclusion today. Um, Skylar, it has been wonderful. We have so enjoyed listening to your thoughts and your reflections. We are admirers of your leadership and the vision and mission of uh, Hope for Haiti. And we wish you Godspeed in every way and uh, look forward to, to staying in contact with you as, as the future unfolds. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Leslie. It's been a pleasure and um, have a great rest of the week. Thanks. You too. Blessings in every way. Thank you so All much. Right. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Round Hill Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Round Hill Community Church. For more information, please visit roundhillcommunitychurch.org.